Welcome to Shoot First, Ask Questions Later, where we research the response of our past and review their relevance for today. This is your host, Moshe Kurtz. Welcome to another episode of Shoot First, Ask Questions Later. Today we are joined by Rabbi Ellie Weissman, who is going to be talking about what we would call an argument between two old friends upon the nature of, you know, just casual topics like a forced gittin and a concept we'll elaborate on in just a moment of Ein Shliach Lidvar Avera. It's a huge schuss to have Rabbi Weissman. Uh, Rabbi Weissman, of course, uh, for those who don't know me personally, uh, served as my mentor when I was a rabbinic intern. He serves as the rabbi of Young Israel of Plainview and coordinates the Judaic Studies Department for Yeshiva University High School for Girls. Rabbi Weissman holds a BA in English Literature from Yeshiva University and an MA in Biblical Studies from Bernard Revel Graduate School and Rabbinic Ordination from the Rabbi Isaac Elkanah Theological Seminary. Rabbi Weissman was a Tikva Lincoln Scholar and taught in many of their programs. He has published articles and reviews on an array of Jewish and historical topics that have been published in such journals as Tradition and weekly papers as well. It is uh, a huge schluss to have you not only on a professional level, but also, of course, on a personal level. During much of my time at Young Israel Plainview, I came for Shabbos. And ironically, because I was doing a lot of the speaking, I didn't get to learn as much from you as I would have liked. So this is a great opportunity that I get to hear your Torah, which is um, I have a lot to learn from. Also, I should mention Rabbi Weissman, in addition to his uh, in, in addition to his Judaic expertise, also has much of a love for Jewish history as well. That's something that we really like to get on the podcast is not just the halachic element of a tshuva, which of course is important, but what is the story behind a given tshuva? And so we're going to be looking at a tshuva of the Nodab Yehuda in Evan Ezer, Simon Ayin Hay, and Rabbi Weitzman, I'm hoping you could just basically tell us what's the shaila, what's the scenario in the tshuva, and what was the personal appeal of why you chose this particular one? Well, first, um, you know, post Limbic Svodastanya, I should uh, say how uh, how proud we are in Plainview, uh, all of us, me in particular, to see uh, our uh, our owner of Moshe Kurtz uh, grow into such an influential uh, community leader uh, and thought leader. And uh, so, thank you very much uh, for having me on. Uh, I very, very much appreciate it, and I apologize uh, in advance if I find myself calling you uh, Moshe. Uh, please, uh, it's it's out of cover, not out of uh, a lack of cover. So uh, <laughs> I apologize in advance. Um, the tshuva that uh, the reason I got interested in it, in it originally um, was because for the past I think uh, ten years now I've been teaching the second parak of Kedushin, um, and this 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 question in particular that the Nozibi who deals with here um, it very much relates to the topic, and I thought it was just interesting for my students uh, to be able to really explore some of the issues behind it. Later on, I found out, um, I also had a personal uh, relationship with this tshuva as well, because uh, the Nodi Behuda, or Richeska Landau, who we're dealing with here, his interlocutor uh, for this tshuva is another Tamas uh, who also turns out to be my ancestor, um, and that is Rav Yitzhak Halevi Horowitz. Uh, just to give you a little bit of the background, uh, Rav Yitzhak Halevi Horowitz is a contemporary of the Nodi Behuda, um, uh, Rav Itzala, or Rav Itzala Hamburger, as he was known later in his life, um, was 
his brother was married into the same family as the Node Bihuda, which is why you'll see the Node Bihuda often call him Hosni, um, my, uh, uh, my in-law. Um, so they were distantly related, but it, it, as you'll see with the Chuba also, almost everybody in this story uh, is related. Um, and a number of times, um, the Node Bihuda throughout his Shalos Vichubos will, will quote Mechutani or She'er Bissari, and he's often referring to Rav Itzala. Um, Rav Itzala, interestingly enough, um, so after having uh, a number of jobs in some small communities, uh, Harhov, uh, Golo, uh, Golo, uh, and others, um, he ended up taking over a very prestigious uh, position. He took over for Jonas and Ibishitz, um, the community of Altuna, Hamburg, and, and Bansbeck after Vionasan passed away. And he did it amazingly enough with the approval of Rav Yaakov Enden. Um, um, and uh, this, this job he took over um, in 1765. He was born in 1715. Um, he took over this job in 1765. Um, and uh, uh, unfortunately, he passed away on Vav Iyar uh, in 1767. Um, so it was a very brief period of time, um, and he, he also passed away in the middle of probably another issue, which hopefully you'll get to um, on this podcast eventually, which is the issue of the Kriva Get. Um, he was actually someone who was very uh, much sought out his opinion on this issue because he had been a Masada Gittin for many, many years, um, and therefore his opinion uh, was valued. Um, I heard from Rabbi Dr. J.J. Shaster, uh, Shlita, I should live and be well, um, that uh, actually... Some people credited Rav Yaakov Emden with um, Rav Itzala's death. Uh, Rav Itzala re refused to, refused to uh, put in Cherem, the followers of Jonathan Ibeshitz, um, and Rav Yaakov Emden had Taromis with him over that. Um, and uh, people thought that for someone to die um, um, at, the, at the very young age of 52, um, uh, under mysterious circumstances, um, so they thought maybe it had to do something um, with Rav Yaakov Emden's uh, mystical powers. But but so, wouldn't that be like a little bit ironic if it was Rav Emden who was using the mystical powers? Wasn't that his whole debate with Rav Yonas and I just was not using all these Kabbalistic things? Well, you know what? I'm I'm no expert on Kabbalistic powers, so uh, I don't know <laughs> how they work and who gets to use them. Um, but it's interestingly enough, from again, I hear this from for heard this from my Shakhtar, um, is that uh, is that the second rabbi also died at a young age who took over Rav Yonasan Ibishitz, and they basically agreed not to hire another rabbi uh, until after Rav Yaakov Emden had passed away. Um, and considering how significant of a community it was for them not to have a, a an overall leader was, was kind of interesting. Um, but that's kind of the, the background to it. Rav Itzala uh, was Zoha uh, to, to have 15 children. Uh, he had two wives. Unfortunately, his first wife uh, died at a young age, uh, but he did have 15 children um, and many, many um, great-grandchildren uh, and great-great-great-great-grandchildren, of which uh, I count myself uh, uh, among them, and we're all Levian. Uh, that's part of it, uh, and uh, and so that is that is why I, I'm very happy to really be discussing uh, this tshuva uh, on this day to see really what 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 was a mechanta shel Torah between uh, two people who 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 at least at one point in time had a, had a good deal of respect for one another. Wow, uh, it's uh, a really wild case. I mean, I you know yeah. even just you read the can you tell us a little bit about the Shaila in the case. It's it's quite yeah. the scenario. Yeah, so apparently it took place, although it's a little bit unclear, apparently it took place um, when 
Rav Itzala was the rabbi in, Glog, in, in Glogau. I apologize if I'm not pronouncing it uh, correctly. Um, but the story is that his nephew, or grandnephew, it's really unclear, um, was uh, in a very rough relationship with his wife and wanted to give her a get, and she was refusing uh, to take the get. And Rav Itzala is based in, after discussion um, with a number of other Rabbanim, um, poskined that they could force her uh, to take the get, um, so, uh, you know, circumventing, if you will, cherem of Rabbeinu Gershom, which prohibits you from giving a get against someone's will. Um, and the way the story goes is that they sent a shaliach based in, they sent a messenger from the, uh, from the rabbinic court to go give her the, uh, the get. And the way the Nodi Bihuda, uh described it is that this shaliach based in basically mugged her and forced the uh, get um, into her pocket, ripping her clothing. Um, it sounded really bad. The thing is that the Nodi Bihuda um, is writing this tshuva almost 15 years after the get was given. Um, it's unclear also, it seems like the woman involved may have been related to the Nodi Bihuda as well, uh, which again is another complicating uh, factor. And the, uh, and, and the Nodi Bihuda says, I wasn't going to get involved and question this get, until I heard that the get was given via messenger. And now once I heard, again, almost 15 years later, that the get was given a messenger, I have to say um, that uh, this, he believes, was not a properly given get to the point where he says she is not divorced. And the husband's current wife, he needs to divorce her because the husband is married against another harem of, of Rabina Gershon, married a second woman, and therefore he thinks that the entire, uh, the entire institution should be undone. That is, that is, the, that is the question um, as it was put forward, and you could see even in the way the Nodi Behuda describes the question, um, which way he's going in terms of stock as well. Right, and so this is so interesting. He doesn't seem to, unless I missed this when I looked over the tshuva, he doesn't seem to give that full disclosure about his personal connection to the different parties. He makes it seem almost like this is just a Shaila that came to my desk. Well, he definitely does have an opinion about Inshallah Baravera in general, and which he wants to get out there. Um, but uh, the, I'm getting a lot of the information from uh, from another safer, which is um, maybe we can lobby Musadar of Cook to republish it, which is a it's called Mishnah Talevi, which is the entire collection of the works of uh, Rabbeinu Itzel Itzelah of Hamburg. Um, so you get a lot of that information there. But everyone is related to everyone in this in this Shaila. So wow, uh, this is this is this okay. is really wacky once you realize. Who, you know, that these aren't just anonymous people. And what's also, yeah. I guess, interesting here, what you're pointing out is that had it been the husband who forced the get into the hands of his wife, this wouldn't get off the ground. I mean, it would be a legitimate get, albeit it would break Hiram to Rabbi Gershom. However, Correct. since there was a shliach, since he had someone giving the get on his behalf, then we could apply the principle of ain't shliach Vera, that if you appoint someone to do something on your behalf, but it is sinful, it would negate the shlichus. It would negate him serving at your behest, on your behalf. And therefore, it's like the get what's given. So, so I guess what's interesting here is the avera, in theory, is the breaching of a cherem of Rabbeinu Gershom. Yeah. And is that a real I mean, avera? Right. So the Nodi Bihuda has two arguments, two, two main arguments that he's giving here. 
um, both of which are debatable. Uh, so uh, argument number one is he's saying that in general, the rule is based on the Gemara Kedushin in the second parak that Aliyah um, that even though the institution of be, being able to appoint a messenger to do something for you, when it comes to appointing a messenger to do an Avera for you, a sin for you, it doesn't work. So I can appoint an agent to give a get, because a get is essentially a mitzvah, but I can't appoint an agent to, let's say, kill someone for me, because that agent basically becomes someone who's acting on his own, right? That agent is now... Um, is now considered a free agent, if you will, no longer no longer working for me. Um, so the the claim is that the Nodi Behuda makes is that since by giving the get against her will, he's violating a prohibition, the Shaliyah is violating a prohibition. Therefore, the get is not how the get the get doesn't work. It's 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 batel uh, and it's as if she was never given the get. And he claims that that's in general the rule across the board, that any time you say, so the Misa, the action um, that takes place is um, undone or, or never gets done, if you will. Right. He says, that it's as if the deed never even took place. So what's interesting is he does... He does present both sides. There's this dichotomy of how to view it. Initially, toward the beginning of the tshuva, he says, Since you're violating by coercing the get. Like you said, that the entire act is it's negated completely because then he says, there's a few people who started claiming, it's just a way of exempting the person who, who appoints the shliach. But it doesn't mean the action never took place. Right, right. So um, Rav Itzala, in his response, if you if you read it, so he notes that, uh, that the Nodib Yehuda's um, um, argument is not new, but it was actually made by the Mishnah Lamelech. Uh, that's that's what Ravitzula notes in his uh, in, in his response to the Nodi Bihuda. Um and interestingly enough, the Nodi Bihuda goes off on him uh, huh. because of that. He says, uh, and he says, <laughs> He's like, Ooh. I don't know what Mishnah you're talking about. <laughs> so the truth is. The truth is, if you look at the, the newer versions of uh, of the Nodi Bihuda, so they do point that um, that it must have been, you know, Nisalim Mendo in the heat of the moment. Um, but it, it it is actually a Mishnah Lamelech. Um, but interestingly enough, the Nodi Bihuda also does not want to give credit to the Mishnah Lamelech for this Chiddush. He says, "This is my Chiddush." Uh. He says, "He says, <laughs> He's like, what, you don't think I'm capable of saying the Chiddush that Inshallah Tavarvera the the Maisa is Batel." Um, so, so the the Nodi Bihuda, um really is very insistent on it um, that he uh, that uh, it was it was his idea. But it, the truth is, it, it is in uh, it is in the Mishnah Lamela as well. For those of you who are looking for it, it's Hilchos Geneva Perik Gimel and he mentions it again in Hilchos Roseach Perik So, um, but the Nodi Bihuda does make a, a strong case, uh, including. Uh, including uh, noting that Tosfos, at least one answer um, in Tosfos, um, seems to indicate that the that 
at least some people hold, that the shlichos would be batel. Um, the argument against it is that the Gemara seems to have uh, a lot of cases where an Avera is involved, um, and nevertheless, the Maisa is ha. Uh, for example, the Gemara discusses um, a Kohen sending the Israel to marry a Grusha for him. Uh, in such a situation, the implication of the Gemara is that the Kedushin is Chal, that they're married. So if the Kedushin is Chal, so then clearly, even though there's an Avera involved, nevertheless, nevertheless, the, the Maisa is not, is not Bakel. Um, and again, if I may defend my ancestor, um, the Ksosa Choshen, you know, uh, himself, um, uh, says, the linear and divrei harav moreinu verabeinu harav yitzvah kalevi zasav. So, uh, so the Ksosa Choshen um, is a supporter um, of Rav Itzala's, uh position. Also, meaning in that very Gemarian Kedushin, the Gemarian Kedushin says, Asr la'adam she kadesh bito ad kashiktana, right? Or Asr la'adam she kadesh isha ad yirena. That a person is not allowed to marry his daughter off when she's uh, a child, when she's below uh, 12. Um, or, and also a person shouldn't marry a woman until he's met her first. This is still good advice for today. Um, but uh, um, uh, in both those cases, even though you're, you're violating an Isser, um, nevertheless, the assumption is that the Kedushin is Chal. And so Rav Isla, I think, makes a good claim that, uh, that the Kedushin or that the Gershin even if you say that he violated an Avera, which again, it's, it's not so clear that it's an Avera, and we'll, we can talk about that also, which is the second assumption that the Nodi Yehuda makes um, about Hiram of Rabbeinu Gershom, but even if you assume that there was an Avera, um, there's definitely ample reason to believe that the, the, that the Gershon is still Chal. Right. So I was, um, toward, I think it's like toward the end of the Tshuva, he basically reckons with this idea that you were, that you were mentioning that uh, this is perhaps analogous to Yisrael marrying a Grusha, marrying a divorced woman for, on behalf of the Kohen. But then he says, that's not how Chaim Rabbeinu Gershom works. He says, Gershom, lo It's not just vis-a-vis the man who's married to this woman. Anyone who's involved in the process of forcing a get it's not just imposed vis-a-vis the husband, but actually this is not akin to Yisrael. The shliach is also bound by Chaim Rabbeinu Gershom, even though it's not actually his own wife. Yeah, he's he's actually, he's trying to avoid an interesting paradox here, or for those computer programs out here, a, nev- a never-ending loop, which is if you say it only applies to the Baal, so then it would only apply to the shaliach if the shaliach is in the place of the Baal. But if the shlichot is batel, then he's not in place of the Baal, and then there's no Chayrim de Rabbeinu Gershom, and then there's no Avera. Wow. So it's, it's, like, it's like this never-ending paradox. So he's trying to avoid that <laughs> by saying that, no, this is a grand notion of, uh, uh, upon the entire community. Um, and uh, he's also, um, he's, he's, he's supporting himself, or he may be supporting with himself, with the Tshuva of the Rashba, which is the Rashba, um, in uh, in Simon Tafkos Tadialis, in his own Shuvos, uh, the Rashba says that the question of Chayyim de Rabbeinu Gershon, he he deals with it as a suffix de Oraisa, even though Rabbeinu Gershon mm. is well, it's well after the Talmud even. But nevertheless, we view the Chayyim as as uh, as a type of de Oraisa, 
a tzvika deraita because it's high, it's it's a chiyuv on the entire community midin shvua, right? And therefore, violating it is is like violating a shvua, which is a prohibition deraita. This reminds me of the I think it generally gets attributed to the Hassam Sofer that minhagim have a status of a uh, neder midoraisa. And yeah. if that's the if that's the case, then right. So then it's it's a bona fide avera that we're reckoning with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, again, I, I it, it seems to me that it may be an overstatement. Also, because uh, again, I I don't want to mess with the no de Bihuda here. <laughs> no de Bihuda is uh, uh, his reputation precedes him, and uh, I am you know Zoha to read his chuvos alone, but. Like I said, I, I got I got to defend my family here. Uh, so um, I, I, again, the the very fact that that there's a long history of circumventing Chayyim Rabbeinu Gershom for various needs um, would seem to indicate that it is not as uh, as Doraisa as the Rashba wants to claim. Right. You know, there, there was one other consideration I just wanted to get your thoughts on in the tshuva. Um, I wish I could give you a precise line in there, but uh, you'll work with me. At the beginning of one of the paragraphs, at least in the version that I have, he reckons with another consideration. He says, That if the shliach, maybe it's considered a get given bitos, because had the shliach realized that he was in violation of it's uh, he would not have done it, and then he he goes a step further. Actually, he says, "Hein mitzad habal." Likewise, vis-a-vis the Baal himself, shagam habal tov a savershina over chim rabino gershom. If also the Baal, the husband himself, thought that he wasn't violating it, but have a get betos, but avshe bita habal kol modos avlanon sahadi shneged das hator lo haya osem betosa lo kibal anavshe. You know, if the husband himself realized that he was contravening Chayyim Rabbeinu Gershom, he also wouldn't want to do something like that. So even the this is amazing. Forget about the shliach. He's saying even the husband direct, directly gives the get to the wife. He it's given betos. It's given under false pretenses, and since it's not given um, willingly, if you will, even if the husband himself gave it, and we knock out the middleman, it also might not be a valid get. Um, I, I, I hear, I hear, I, I, again, I just, I, I, I don't know if I'm, uh, I'm, I'm aware of not enough of, uh, of, of reasonings like that to, to undo Gittin. Um, <laughs> it seems to me, uh, it seems to me, um, that again, I, I feel bad here because I would never question the Nodevi Huda in another context. Um, but, uh, but I wonder whether that counts as the type of Ta'us, um, Meaning a, a taus that I usually think about of a, of a get to taus would be like, oh, I thought my wife was cheating on me, and it turns out she wasn't, uh, you know, something like that. But here it's like, I thought this wasn't an Avera, and it turns out it was. What if I thought it was an Avera, and, and I still wanted to divorce her? You know, so uh, would you still do that on Ansahade? And again, here you're assuming, um, you're assuming some of the... Uh, 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 the uh, the knowledge of the people involved, and I would have to assume that a shaliach based in knows uh, knows at least what's it, what's involved here. Right, and that's that's also again what's going back to the whole context of the tshuva. Um, yeah. I don't even know. Did he even mention that it's a shaliach based in? I don't even think in the tshuva himself he mentioned that the shaliach was um, authorized by the court to go about this whole entire procedure. It's not almost I, just like a, a gang of guys got together and pulled this off. Um, 
open it for you one second. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember whether he says it's a shliach basin or not. That is a good question. Which might be part of how he's trying to uh, subtly invalidate this entire thing. Yeah. Making it sound like it's a bunch of marauders who got together. Yeah. So he he does have a he, he does get a little bit hyperbolic here. He says shut up to a bali mohamos la isha ba'emsa. Right, right. right. It sounds like, a, like a bunch of games. Yeah, yeah. And he and, uh, and he, he uses even a terminology from the Torah from rape. He says sa'akah isha ba'emoshi Allah v'hinet raseik l'kabel v'hishlicha haget mecheka. Right, that she didn't want to accept the get and she threw the get away. Um, and and not only that, but the get was was torn as well. So. Right, the get um, itself got torn. So this is like remarkable. Right. He's like portraying the narrative completely differently. I know that's a popular thing nowadays to talk about yeah. different narratives, but this is yeah. mamish what we're seeing here. The Nobu's yeah. narrative is completely different than the one that uh, the Ravitzala is presenting, which was based in, was authorized. Here, a bunch of marauders got together and pulled this off. Correct, correct. Not only that, but just as a historical point is, this poor guy who uh, was involved in this, the uh, Megarish, and the poor oh. woman also, um, he ended up, not only was he put in Cherem by the Nodev Yehuda, who, again, this is, we're talking to Gadol Hador here, when he t- says you're in Cherem, you're actually in Cherem. He actually spent three months in jail um, by the government because of the Cherem um, uh, until, until, uh, until uh, what's it called? Uh, who was it? Um, uh, who, who got him out? Uh, Tell you in a second, the someone who is involved in Pidyon Shruim, oh. again a bit of Inyani Dioma. But wasn't Rubashkin. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't Rubashkin. <laughs> um, um who was it? So it, it it seems like the Rav Itzla did not win out the day, you're saying. No, I mean I think in the end he did win win out the day because I think in the end Rav Moshe Le- of Safav. Um, was the one who, who was who was podehim, um, and uh, I, I think halachically the vast majority um, seemed to go like Rav Itzel's position. I don't know if at the time, if they made him, if they made this this guy divorce his current wife or not. Like I don't know what 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 they did in the end. I, I don't think we have that information. But in terms of, of pure piske halacha, so so the, uh, like I said, uh, the Ksotza Hoshin was on his side, the Ismach Moshe. Um, uh, that's Rabbi Moshe Teitelbaum, uh, Rechaim Eliezer Vax in the Shilts which you look Nefesh Chaya, um, Rabbi Yehuda Asad in, in his Yehuda Yala, um, Rabbi Moshe Alevi Palik. Uh, I'm just getting the whole list here from the Mishnah Salevi of all those who uh, uh, who were who were on his side um, uh, on that one. And, Did I hear uh, Pollock over there? Is that the, my in-laws side? <laughs> uh, I guess it's possible. Anything's possible. Yeah, it's a, it, it is a. It, you can find out if they're if they're descendants of Rav Moshe Alevi Pollock, the author <laughs> of the Tikkun Moshe, uh, or not. So um, it seems like Ravitsa had his allies, but also he he didn't really live long enough to uh, uh, to really to really experience what might have happened. Although the fact that they still went to Ravitsa. Um, with help or to weigh in on the cleave get would seem to indicate that his uh his his piske halacha were still valued when it came to the realm of gin. So. Wow. So this is a bit of a dangerous question. Uh but nowadays when push comes to shove, I'm sure our listeners are possibly aware 
that the man has the option of doing a heter mayor rabbanim, of getting all these different rabbis to sign on in order to circumvent this ban of Chaim Rabbeinu Gershom. So it sounds almost like this is another method, assuming you're assuming you're saying that um, you know you get around the whole Has this method been used since then? Has any rabbis um, validated using this method since this major debate? I know uh, in Israel, um, in Israel they won't use it where they have the force of the government behind you. Um, but I I do know Bati Din in America. Um, uh, like uh, mainstream din for whatever that's worth, um, will sometimes use um, um, a get zikoi in along along with a heter meir rabbanim. Mm. Uh, meaning, if you have a woman who's refusing um, to accept a get, um, but we know that she's dating other people and she's going out and you know she's living her life uh, in such a situation. Um, what they'll do is not just do a heter meir rabbanim, um, which again is is something that's always that's often abused, uh, I would say, but they'll do a get zikoy, which is basically saying to her, uh, or saying on on her behalf, you know what, uh, rather than potentially cheating on your husband and violating a major iser in the Torah of Arias, so instead what we're going to do is we're going to be mezake. Uh, and zechia is a type of shlichus potentially. There's a little bit of debate about that. Um, <laughs> but if 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 something is an objective good for the person, you can basically uh, appoint yourself as a shaliach. So what they do is they do they give the get to someone who declares himself to be, be being mezake on her behalf, and she becomes uh, divorced in that way. And then they'll use the hetzer mm-hmm. rav on him also. But again, I think that's just in extreme cases where we know that the woman has already moved on with her life and is just really not interested um, in in getting a get. Um, right. So in yeah. terms of, so it sounds like we're using this concept of Zachladim Shlobifanov. It, you know, it's something that we use even all the time, just in not as high stakes cases. For instance, um, sometime back, I was con- conducting, as we say here, or officiating a bas mitzvah ceremony. And, um, you know, you give a gift generally to the bar bas mitzvah kid on Shabbos, but you're not supposed to give him a matana on Shabbos. You're supposed to give a gift. So one of the ways to deal with that is that I could take the gift and I could give it to someone else at the shul who will acquire it on the kid's behalf. Ah, oh, the kid didn't appoint him. Like you're saying, we can transfer ownership when it's in the person's interest. So you're saying for a woman who's continuing to date other people, she's probably halakhically going to be violating znus adultery. She's also going to be potentially having mamzerim. So this is uh, this is important. This is for her own benefit, you're saying, to give her a get in that case. And then the Hetzer Meir Abadim helps vis-a-vis the, um, the husband himself. Very good. So in our last few minutes, is there anything else that you want to want us to know about the tshuva, about the considerations, about Ravitzala? And um, also, I, I, I try to be good. I'm not always good about this, but I try to ask uh, guests, uh, where else we can learn from your Torah? Where else can we learn from... Um, your different ideas? Um, well, um, where I I would tell you this is is that uh, the Mishnah Halevi can be found at Yusvarim stores um, around the world. Um, and uh, it's certainly worth your time, particularly his Chuvos. Um, there's there's a lot of, as was popular in the 18th century, it's, it's a lot of pilpul, but if you're willing to uh, to do the work through the pilpul, 
um, there's actually some rewarding Torah there that uh, it's worthwhile hearing. And and again, until this moment, the Nod de Behuda thought very highly of uh, of, of Ravitzel Levi Hamburger, and I would think, uh, and others did as well, in, 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 uh, of, a, of a time period when uh, when Talmidei Chachamim were really on the rise. Um, so he's definitely worth your time. And uh, again, if you can get yourself uh, your hands on the Mishnah Salevi, um, it would certainly be worth your time. And you can also find on Hebrew books some of the older versions before the Masada of Cook did the nicer versions. You can find uh, of his Chuvos and his Divrei Torah uh, just to keep his name out there um, as, as someone important. Uh, in terms of where you can hear me, so uh, you can find uh, some of my Shirim on Torah where I deal with actually this whole generation. Uh, of Tamidei Chachamim, and you can hear some of the historical background of people, including uh, the Nodi Bihuda, who, again, I would like to say I have an immense amount of respect for, uh, even though I was, uh, <laughs> I was I was taking the alternative position uh, on this issue. Rabbi Chatzka Landau was one of the great Godole Torah of our history, and I, I certainly value uh, so much uh, of his Torah and so much of, of what he has done for the Jewish people. Wow. That's very good. And I think that's an important note to end on, which is the, in the end of the day, it really comes down to the Melcham Teshul Torah that, you know, we have two different Gedolim going at it. And uh, despite the personal elements that came out of it back in the good old days, in the, in the end, we have these beautiful tshuvas, we have this beautiful Torah, and uh, we got a really nice uh, discussion out of that. So, yeah. Yashir Koach, Rabbi Weissman, and uh, again, it's a true privilege that I get to hear from your Torah, from your Torah knowledge, your historical knowledge, and uh, God willing, looking forward to learning together again soon. Amen, amen. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you for listening to Shoot First, Ask Questions Later. Please make sure to subscribe to get the latest updates. And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate us and leave a review. Do you have a response to the response that you want to share on the show? Please send your letter to the editor to mitchellmkurtz at gmail.com. And God willing, we would love to consider your perspective to be shared on a future episode. This is Moshe Kurtz, and I look forward to reviewing more responses with you next time on Shoot first, ask questions later.